Welcome to the United by Strength podcast. Hard work knows no gender, race, sexuality, or creed. It is the universal building block upon which successful tribes are built. Here, you will learn from powerlifting coaches, gymnastics coaches, CrossFit coaches, nutrition coaches, and strongman coaches. We collaborate and share best practices and want to bring our experience and continuing education to you. Starting at the top of page 83, the squat clinic. The squat is essential to your well-being. The squat can both greatly improve your athleticism and keep your hips, back, and knees sound and functioning in your senior years. Not only is the squat not detrimental to the knees, it is remarkably rehabilitative of cranky, damaged, or delicate knees. In fact, if you do not squat, your knees are not healthy regardless of how free of pain or discomfort you are. This is equally true of the hips and back. The squat is no more of an invention of a coach or trainer than is the hiccup or the sneeze. It is a vital, natural, functional component of your being. The squat in the bottom position is nature's intended sitting position. Chairs are not part of your biological makeup. And the rise from the bottom to the stand is the biomechanical biomechanically sound method by which we stand up. There is nothing contrived or artificial about this movement. Most of the world's inhabitants sit not on chairs, but in a squat. Meals, ceremonies, conversations, gatherings, and defecation are all performed bereft of chairs or seats. Only in the industrialized world do we find the need for chairs, couches, benches, and stools. This comes at a loss of functionality that contributes immensely to decrepitude. Frequently, we encounter individuals whose doctor or chiropractor has told them not to squat. In nearly every instance, this is pure ignorance on the part of the practitioner. When a doctor that does not like the squat is asked, by what method should your patient get up off the toilet? They are at a total loss for words. In a similarly misinformed manner, we have heard trainers and healthcare providers suggest that the knee should not be bent past 90 degrees. It is entertaining to ask proponents of this view to sit on the ground with their legs out in front of them and then ask them to stand without bending the legs more than 90 degrees. It cannot be done without some grotesque bit of contrived movement. The truth is that getting up off the floor involves a force on at least one knee that is substantially greater than the squat. Our presumption is that those who counsel against the squat are either just repeating nonsense they have heard in the media or at the gym, or in their clinical practice, they have encountered people who have injured themselves squatting incorrectly. It is entirely possible to injure yourself squatting incorrectly, but it is also exceedingly easy to bring the squat to a level of safety matched by walking. The blue section on the side of the page of uh, 
page 84 is the section how to squat. We're going to go through that here. How to squat. Here are some valuable cues to a sound squat. Many encourage identical behaviors. Number one, start with the feet about shoulder width apart and slightly toed out. Two, keep your head up looking slightly above parallel. Three, do not look down at all. Ground is in peripheral vision only. Four, accentuate the normal arch of the lumbar curve and then pull the excess arch out with the abs. Number five, keep the midsection very tight. Number six, send your butt back and down. Number seven, your knees track over the line of the foot. Number eight, do not let the knees roll inside the foot. Keep as much pressure on the heels as possible. Number nine, stay off the balls of the feet. 10, delay the knees forward travel as much as possible. Number 11, lift your arms out and up as you descend. 12, keep your torso elongated. 13, send hands as far away from your butt as possible. 14, in profile, the ear does not move forward during the squat. It travels straight down. 15, do not let the squat just sink, but pull yourself down with your hip flexors. 16, do not let the lumbar curve surrender as you settle into the bottom. 17, stop when the fold of the hip is below the knees, break parallel with the thigh. 18, squeeze glutes and hamstrings and rise without any leaning forward or shifting of balance. 19, return on the exact same path as you descended. 20, use every bit of musculature you can. There is no part of the body uninvolved. 21, on rising, without, the, without moving the feet, exert pressure to the outside of your feet as though you were trying to separate the ground beneath you. And the last one, 22, at the top of the stroke, stand as tall as you possibly can. On the athletic front, the squat is the quintessential hip extension exercise, and hip extension is the foundation of all good human movement. Powerful, controlled hip extension is necessary and nearly sufficient for elite athleticism. Necessary in that without powerful controlled hip extension, you are not functioning anywhere near your potential. And sufficient in the sense that everyone we have met with the capacity to explosively open the hip could also run, jump, throw, and punch with impressive force. Secondarily, but no less important, the squat is among those exercises eliciting a potent neuroendocrine response. This benefit is ample reason for an exercise's inclusion in your regimen. The air squat. All our athletes begin their squatting with the air squat. That is, without any weight other than body weight. 
as a matter of terminology, when we refer to the squat, we are talking about an unladen body weight only squat. When we wish to refer to a weighted squat, we will use the term back squat, overhead squat, or front squat, referring to those distinct weighted squats. The safety and efficacy of training with the front, back, and overhead squats before the weightless variant has been mastered retards athletic potential. When has the squat been mastered? That is a good question. It is fair to say that the squat is mastered when both technique and performance are superior. This suggests that none of the points of performance are deficient and fast multiple reps are possible. Our favorite standard for fast multiple reps would be the Tabata squat. 20 seconds on and 10 seconds off repeated eight times with the weakest of eight intervals being between 18 to 20 reps completed. Do not misunderstand. We are looking for 18 to 20 perfect squats in 20 seconds. Rest for 10 and repeat seven more intervals for a total of eight rounds. The most important faults to look for are surrendering of the lumbar curve at the bottom, not breaking the parallel plane with the hips, slouching in the chest and shoulders, lifting the heels, and not fully extending the hip at the top. Do not even think about weighted squats until none of these faults belong to you. A relatively small angle of hip extension while indicative of a beginner's or weak squat and caused by weak hip extensors is not strictly considered a fault as long as the lumbar spine is neutral. Top of page 86, causes of a bad squat. One, weak glutes and hamstrings. The glutes and hams are responsible for powerful hip extension which is the key to athletic performance the athletic performance universe. Number two, poor engagement, weak control, and no awareness of gluten hamstring. The road to powerful, effective hip extension is a three to five year odyssey for most athletes. Number three, resulting attempt to squat with quads. Leg extension dominance over hip extension is a leading obstacle to elite performance in athletes. Number four, inflexibility. Tight hamstrings are a powerful contributor to slipping into lumbar flexion, the worst fault of all. And number five, sloppy work, poor focus. This is not going to come out right by accident. It takes incredible effort. The more you work on the squat, the more awareness you develop as to its complexity. And this being the movement section, there are a number of illustrations of each of these faults and corrections and also the points of performance. It is absolutely imperative that you look at these uh, pictures and diagrams yourself that go along with the text. Table one at the top of page 87 is squat troubleshooting, the common faults and therapies. Definitely a very useful table to have. <clears throat> Starting at the middle of page 87, therapies for common faults. Bar holds. Grab a bar 
racked higher and closer than your normal reach at bottom of squat. Then settle into perfect bottom position with chest, head, hands, arms, shoulders, and back higher than usual. Find balance, let go, repeat closer and higher, etc. This lifts the squat, aka raises head, chest, shoulders, and torso, thereby putting more load on heels and glutes and hams. This immediately forces a solid bottom posture from which you have the opportunity to feel the forces required to balance in good posture. This is a reasonable shoulder stretch, but not as good as the overhead squat. Box squatting. <clears throat> squat to a 10 inch box. Rest at bottom with all, without altering posture. Then squeeze and rise without rocking forward. Keep perfect posture at bottom. This is a classic bit of technology perfected at Westside Barbell Club. Bottom to bottom squat therapy. Bottom to bottoms. Stay at the bottom and come up to full extension and quickly return to bottom, spending much more time at bottom than top. For instance, sitting in the bottom for five minutes, coming up to full extension only once every five seconds, i.e. 60 reps. Many will avoid the bottom like the plague. You want to get down there, stay down there, and learn to like it. Overhead squats. Hold a broomstick or PVC pipe at snatch grip width directly overhead, arms locked out. The triangle formed by arms and stick must stay perfectly perpendicular to the ground as you squat. This is a good shoulder stretch and lifts the squat. With weight, this exercise demands good balance and posture or loads become wildly unmanageable. The overhead squat is a quick punisher of sloppy technique. If shoulders are too tight, this movement will give an instant diagnosis. You can move into a doorway and find where the arms fall and cause the stick to bang into the doorway. Lift the arms, head, chest, back, and hip enough to travel up and down without hitting the doorway. Over time, move, work to move feet closer and closer to the doorway without hitting it. The broomstick foundation is critical to learning the snatch, the world's fastest lift. And then the air squat. Maintain the arch in the back. Look straight ahead, keep weight on heels, reach the full range of motion, i.e. below parallel, keep the chest high, keep the midsection tight. The squat is essential to human movement, a proven performance enhancer, and a getaway movement to a gateway movement, gateway movement to the best exercise in strength and conditioning. Front squat. Bar rests on the chest and shoulders with a loose grip in a racked position. The mechanics are otherwise like the air squat. The hardest part of the front squat may be the rack position. Practice until you can get the bar and hands in the proper position. Handstands help. This one will force shoulder and wrist flexibility. The overhead squat. 
The overhead squat is the ultimate core exercise, the heart of the snatch, and peerless in developing effective athletic movement. This functional gem trains for efficient transfer of energy from large to small body parts, the essence of sports movement. For this reason, it is an indispensable tool for developing speed and power. The overhead squat also demands and develops functional flexibility and similarly develops the squat by amplifying and cruelly punishing faults in squat posture, movement, and stability. The overhead squat is to midline control, stability, and balance what the clean and snatch are to power, i.e. unsurpassed. Ironically, the overhead squat is exceedingly simple yet universally nettlesome for beginners. There are three common obstacles to learning the overhead squat. The first is the scarcity of skilled instruction. Outside of the weightlifting community, most instruction on the overhead squat is laughably, horribly wrong, dead wrong. The second is a weak squat. You need to have a rock solid squat to learn the overhead squat. The third obstacle is starting with too much weight. You have not a snowball's chance in hell of learning the overhead squat with a bar. You will need to use a length of dowel or plastic PVC pipe. Use anything over five pounds to learn this move and your overhead squat will be stillborn. Learning the overhead squat. One, start only when you have a strong squat and use a dowel or PVC pipe, not a barbell. You should be able to maintain a rock bottom squat with your back arched, head and eyes forward, and body weight predominantly on your heels for several minutes as a prerequisite to the overhead squat. Even a 15 pound training bar is way too heavy to learn the overhead squat. Learn locked arm dislocates or pass-throughs with the dowel. You want to be able to move the dowel nearly 360 degrees, starting with the dowel down and at arm's length in front of your body, and then move it in a wide arc until it comes to rest down and behind you without as much as slightly bending your arms at any point in its travel. Start with a grip wide enough to easily pass through, and then repeatedly bring the hands in closer until passing through presents a moderate stretch of the shoulders. This is your training grip. Three, be able to perform the pass through at the top, the bottom, and everywhere in between while descending into the squat. Practice by stopping at several points on the path to the bottom. Hold and gently, slowly swing the dowel from front to back again with locked arms. At the bottom of each squat, slowly bring the dowel back and forth, moving from front to back. Number four, learn to find the frontal plane with the dowel from every position in the squat. Practice this with your eyes closed. You want to develop a keen sense of where the frontal plane is located. This is the same drill as step three, but this time you are bringing the dowel to a stop in the frontal plane and holding briefly with each pass through. Have a training partner check to see if at each stop the dowel is in the frontal plane.
Number five, start the overhead squat by standing tall with the dowel held as high as possible in the frontal plane. You want to start with the dowel directly overhead, not behind you, or worse yet, even a little bit in front. Number six, very slowly lower to the bottom of the squat, keeping the dowel in the frontal plane the entire time. Have a training partner watch from your side to make sure that the dowel does not move forward or backwards as you squat to the bottom. Moving slightly behind the frontal plane is acceptable, but forward is dead wrong. If you cannot keep the dowel from coming forward, your grip may be too narrow. The dowel will not stay in the frontal plane automatically. You will have to pull it back very deliberately as you descend, particularly if your chest comes forward. Number seven, practice the overhead squat regularly and increase the load only in tiny increments. We can put a two and a half pound plate on the dowel, then five, then a five and a two and a half, and then a 10. Next, use a 15 pound training bar, but only while maintaining perfect form. There is no benefit to adding weight if the dowel and later the bar cannot be kept in the frontal plane. With practice, you will be able to bring your hands closer together and still keep the bar in the frontal plane. Ultimately, you can develop enough control and flexibility to descend to a rock bottom squat with your feet together and hands together without the dowel coming forward. Practicing for this is a superb warm up and cool down drill and stretch. The overhead squat develops core control by punishing any forward wobble of the load with an enormous and instant increase in the moment about the hip and back. When The bar is held perfectly overhead and still, which is nearly impossible. The overhead squat does not present greater load on the hip or back, but moving too fast along the wrong line of action or wiggling can bring even the lightest loads down like a house of cards. You have two and only two safe options for bailing out, dumping the load forward and stepping or falling backward or dumping backward and stepping or falling forward. Both are safe and easy. Lateral escapes are not an option. The difference between your overhead squat and your back or front squat is a solid measure of your midline stability and control and the precision of your squatting posture and line of action. Improving and developing your overhead squat will fix faults not visible in the back or front squat. As your max overhead, back, and front squat each rise, their relative measure reveals much about your developing potential for athletic movement. On average, oh, an average of your max back and front squat is an excellent measure of your core, hip, and leg strength. <clears throat> your max overhead squat is an excellent measure of your core stability and control, and ultimately your ability to generate effective and efficient athletic power. Your max overhead squat will always be a fraction of the average of your max back and front squat, but ideally with time, they should converge rather than diverge. Should they diverge, you are developing hip and core strength, but your capacity to efficiently apply power distally is reduced. 
In athletic pursuits, you may be prone to injury. Should they converge, you are developing useful strength and power that can be successfully applied to athletic movements. The functional application or utility of the overhead squat may not be readily apparent, but there are many real-world occurrences where objects high enough to get under are too heavy or not free enough to be jerked or pressed overhead, yet can be elevated by first lowering your hips until your arms can be locked and then squatting upwards. Once developed, the overhead squat is a thing of beauty, a masterpiece of expression in control, stability, balance, efficient power, and utility. Get on it. And we're going back, actually, to a diagram that takes up all of page 95, which is what broke up uh, what I was reading there before because it stopped mid-sentence. So going over here to page 95 is a classic drawing of the overhead squat, a beautiful little diagram you should definitely check out. And its listings uh, are referenced to the side there. I'm not going to go into detail on that as because if you do not have the... Um, the diagram in front of you, it doesn't really make any sense. So that's on page 95. Definitely go check that out. Thank you for listening to the United by Strength podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the information that we were able to put out today. Please take from it what you want and leave what you don't. If you have feedback for us, please send it to unitedbystrengthpodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review if you have the time. It really helps people find the podcast and allows us to grow our base of listeners. Music